We have all had food failures, so here are ours. <laughs> wow. Hey, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and on this episode of our podcast, we want to talk about the top four food failures we have both experienced and been a part of. <laughs> two of them are things that we've done, and two of them are mm, things we've witnessed or been a part of. And these are some pretty good food catastrophes, and after this long in the food business, I suppose we should have a list of these. Well, I hope this makes everyone listening feel better about <laughs> their mistakes, because even professionals do it, and it's so horrible. So... I want to talk about the first time I really screwed up big time. We were having a dinner party in New York. It was Thanksgiving. Oh, wait, wait. It's not a dinner party. It's a holiday with guests. And I bought this really expensive organic turkey <laughs> at this fancy butcher in New York. And despite the fact that we've written for articles and our books about how to brine turkeys, I don't know. I always thought, do I really need to do that? I could just shove it in the oven and it gets cooked. Well, whose recipe were you using to brine the turkey? So I decided I'm going to brine this turkey and I'm going to use our own how to brine a turkey <laughs> recipe from our book, The Ultimate Cookbook. So how wrong can this go? Mm. Oh, it can go really wrong. Mm. So I so I have this giant turkey, and I've got this 20-quart stock pot. And I put in the amount of salt it says to put in, and then I add the water, and then I add the turkey. This is off the ingredient list. Yeah, you, put the, in, you put in the salt from the ingredient list, and, and it says water, and so you add the water. I did, and then I added the turkey. Well, the, the liquid only came up to, I don't know, a, a, a quarter of the turkey, and I... That was the end of the page, and I didn't turn the page. I just looked. There's at the, <laughs> the problem. And I just looked in the pot, and I said, oh, this needs more. So I added more salt and more water, and that didn't come up. So I added more salt and more water, and that didn't come up. Finally, by the time I added, oh, I don't know, two pounds of salt and all <laughs> the water, the turkey was covered. It was beautiful. It was nice. I brined it. It sat overnight in the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Mm, wait, then, now, wait. What? So what would have happened had you turned the page? Well, Before we get to the results of this, what Had I turned happened? the page, it would have said, notice that the liquid does not come all the way up the turkey. Fill the pot with fresh water. <laughs> because you had all the salt you already needed. And then you just add enough water so to cover the turkey. I just, I just want to point out that a man who makes his living uh, writing cookbooks did not turn the page in his own recipe in order to follow it. All right, go along. <laughs> and before you say, don't you know your own recipes, come on, we have written 36 books and thousands of recipes. I don't remember them all. Okay, okay. okay don't so get I, self-justifying here. Right, just, I rinsed off the turkey the next up. day. I shoved it in the oven. It was gorgeous it was golden and juicy looking and delicious and our guests were in the living room we'd had cocktails we'd had appetizers and Mm. i went in to carve the turkey Mm. and i called mark in and i just want to say right now that the turkey tasted like the dead sea (laughs) it tasted as if you were drinking a big glass of ocean. It was inedible. So I'm carving it, and I take the first bite because I love to do that in the kitchen. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is not edible. And we have companies sitting at the table. So It wasn't just salty. No. It just tasted like salt. It tasted like you were eating salt. Like- it was in. <laughs> Edible. It's unbelievable. Way back when, I always remember something Julia Child always said, and we, Mark and I have used this as a joke all these years. But you know something? It saved us. Julia Child always says, when you're making dinner for people, always keep a dozen extra eggs in the refrigerator. In case your dinner comes out bad, you can make omelets. Well, 
We had omelets. Right. It was really unfortunate. I mean, you could even, maybe you thinking, oh, well, maybe it was like bacon turkey or something. You know, it was really salty. No, this was inedible. It tasted only of salt. And it all because a cookbook writer did not turn the page in his own cookbook. (laughs) Luckily, those were very good friends, and they kind of understood, but they never (laughs) let me live it down. So how good friends were they? No, they never, ever let me live that down. Yeah, well, anyway, everybody can make a mistake. So my, this is the second big food, food failure, and this is not one that I was a part of. This is one I witnessed. Well, I was I was a cause of it in some way. <laughs> anyway, Responsible for the failure of someone's food. This is long before I was in a food career. This is back when I was in grad school, and I was cooking dinner parties for my friends. I was super into food. <laughs> you know, I was in a grad program for lit. And um, someone asked me if I could teach her how to make a pie crust. Okay, fine. Because I always made pies. That's always still what I do is make pies. I, if, if oh, I'm, Mark if, makes the best pies. Bruce, <laughs> thank you. If Bruce doesn't want to make a dessert on his own, then he asks me to make a pie. And I have to say that I learned from my grandmother. So I learned from the best. Anyway... So, uh, fine, I'm going to teach this, this person how to make a pie crust because she wants to take price to work. So I go over to her apartment. We work on it. We do just a really standard shortening plus a little butter crust with flour and salt. Easy, right? So you taught her the shortening and butter way, but your right. grandmother taught you only shortening. Yeah, my grandmother only used vegetable shortening, but I like to add a little butter. And I'm, I'm talking like a third a cup of shortening and a tablespoon of butter to a cup of flour. That's about what my ratio is. Yeah, and that butter just added a little bit of flavor. Now, that's right. something your grandmother didn't do, partly because she worked as a baker in this public school, which right. is really amazing. Right. So anyway, okay, so here's my friend. And let's just say that, um, wow, uh, she's not the, what is it, the bride? The sharpest, the sharpest penny in the chandelier. Yeah, she's not the sharpest penny in the chandelier. So, um, <laughs> anyway, I teach her. We do it. We make a pie. It's great. The crust comes out. Everything's lovely. Okay, great. Now I go away. Now the next day, she stays home and she makes pie crusts, and she makes these. Please two- tell me it was Thanksgiving for her too. No, she was oh. taking them to an office party, and so she makes these two pie crusts and um, makes the pies, and it is. A complete and utter disaster. And when she gets home that day or the next day, whenever she takes the pies, she calls me up and she says, your recipe doesn't work. You know, none of this works. I love that. That's that's always the answer. <laughs> Everybody says, if anyone has a problem with any of the recipes on our books these days, those are the emails we get. Your recipes don't work. Well, okay. Some <laughs> are mistakes in this world and people are allowed to call you out on your mistakes. But in this case, she and I had actually done this recipe together. We had stood in her kitchen making making it. It so, didn't matter. Your recipe didn't yeah, work. Yeah, well, so I queried her, and I said, you know, well, what happened? And she said, oh, it was just pudding. It was disgusting pudding that was unset. I was like, pudding? How can it be pudding? So it turns out, the long and the short of this is that we had used up all the flour in practicing on that pie crust. She did not go to the store, and instead, she substituted cornstarch <laughs> for flour. Pure cornstarch, one-to-one. Here's the reason because it's white. She said, well, it's white. So I thought I could substitute it. So there you go. She made two pies that basically had a cornstarch. I don't even know how she got it to roll out. Because cornstarch uh, does melt. In I the know. Way. So what did she do? She must have just kept adding more and more cornstarch to it. Until she had it. like this super stiff, starchy <laughs> paste that she pressed into the Which thing. Which then when it would bake would just dissolve uh. into the filling. 
disgusting. So there you go. There's a giant food failure that I was a part of. I can't say that I caused it, but I was part of it. Do not substitute. <laughs> not like that. You could substitute. Well, yeah. Some things you could substitute basil for oregano, but you can't substitute yeah, yeah, starch yeah. for flour. Yeah, right. Okay, before we get to the next food failure, if you have one that you want to share with us, come to our Facebook group, Cooking with Bruce and Mark, same name as this podcast. Yeah. We'll have a great conversation there. You could share all of your food failures, and we will share more of ours, and it's a great place just to have a good conversation <laughs> and join in the fun. One of my favorite things is, was something that happened to us. We were invited to a dinner party with some friends and these friends actually were caterers so i loved going there i loved having dinner with them and they were very mm. good cooks mm. until mm. this time mm. so we show up at their house and with and, another couple yes there were there were six of us mm. and the house doesn't smell like anything which is fine some you know not everything has to be made ahead sometimes they make things last minute mm. sometimes so we walk through the we walk through the living room and there on the kitchen counter mark and i spy a platter of raw beef short ribs now we were invited to dinner at seven o'clock so hmm we're wondering what's going on you may not know this and it's okay if you don't but beef short ribs are one of the quintessential long braises it takes a long time for short ribs especially beef short ribs to get done they need a long slow moist heat you can get them done in an instant pot a little faster but they still, sometimes some recipes that we write for an instant pot, they're still like 45, 50 minutes yeah. in an instant pot. And this was pre-instant pot days right. when we were invited to this dinner party. So that's fine. I'm figuring maybe they know something I don't know. I'm always open to learning something new about how to cook something. <laughs> you know, maybe they know something. Mm. Okay, so we have a bottle of wine on the couch. We have crackers and mm. dips. Mm. We're there about an hour, hour, 10 minutes. Mm. It's now 8, 10. Mm. Mark and I still see that pile of raw short and on just, the counter. Let's just say that everybody in the room is gay, so they should know better. I mean, honestly, <laughs> gay people should know better how to entertain, but go on. So our host gets up, goes to the kitchen, and calls out from the kitchen to us, how do you all like your short ribs cooked? Mm, to which, of course, the only answer is yes, cooked. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a, there's not a gradient change here on short ribs. Now, these are, I also want to say that these are the days before sous vide, mm -hmm. and you can make what look like rare short ribs under a sous vide method, but this is long before sous vide became a United States phenomenon. So this was just going to be a, what was it, a broiler dish or yeah, something? She, yeah, they were going to be broiled. So she said, well, we oh. like ours rare. So I don't oh. know how you, <laughs> you're both like, oh, well, you know what? Uh, maybe again, you know something I don't know. Maybe yeah, know. this is a new thing. That's so we what said, I thought too. Just bring them in the way you like them. So out to the table comes this giant platter of charred brown from the broiler, but rare in the middle short ribs. Mm, what happened, Mark? It was like dogs tearing at bones. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you couldn't cut them. No knife could get through them. So we picked them up. And I don't know about the other couple. I just know about Bruce and me. And we were trying to be polite. I mean, we were at someone's for dinner. <laughs> and so we were pulling, trying to pull the meat off the bones <laughs> with our teeth. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work. It, it looked like a kill in Africa. It was ridiculous. And so there we were doing, <laughs> and we were trying to eat this thing, you know, and 
I want to say that I just want to say that I gave it game. I did do my job. I tried to get the meat off. I had a horrid stomach ache for the rest of the evening. <laughs> this was just basically indigestible nothingness. But oh, oh it was so embarrassing. I mean, you don't say anything. You can't say anything. No. I mean, no matter how good friends they are, no, and especially no. because they're professional caterers. I'm like, and also because I'm southern, and you just you, <laughs> you have to be polite and. Oh my God! It was that unbelievable. Was really, it was so weird. <laughs> it was so. It was just one of those like so weird. I have things. to tell you sometimes that even today, Bruce and I will say to each other, "How do you like your short ribs cooked?" <laughs> and, the, and we always say the answer is yes. Yes, I do. I like them cooked. That's right. Okay, so this is my last one. This is our fourth one, and this is my last one, and this is my failure. So this is pre-Bruce. I'm back in grad school. There is no pre-Bruce. Yes, there is. I'm back (laughs) in grad school. I'm in Madison, Wisconsin, um, and I'm making pumpkin soup in a pumpkin. This is a big deal. This was kind of what? This would be like the mid-80s, and this was kind of a mid-80s phenomenon. So wait, so you're roasting the soup in the pumpkin, or are you just roasting a pumpkin to serve the soup? Well, I I don't exactly remember the whole recipe, but I believe you you start by, you know, uh, taking the top off a pumpkin, taking out the seeds, then you roast it for a while in the oven, then you fill it with a cream soup and you continue roasting it with the lid on it, you know, like a jack-o'-lantern with its lid back on it. And the whole point here is that once it's all done, which is lovely, you can bring this whole giant thing to the table, which I did, and then you eat it by kind of ladling out the creamy, delicious, herby soup inside of it and scraping up some of the walls of Uh-oh. the pumpkin. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Hear a bread bowl issue going on. Scraping what happens when pump, you eat soup in a bread bowl? Scraping up some of the the pumpkin inside to flavor the soup, and it is really delicious. Okay, well, this is great. All right, fine. So I bring it out, and we all dig in, and, you know, there's wine, and everybody's happy, and so people are taking their own, which is... <laughs> automatically a mistake. People are taking their own, and eventually, as Bruce has already indicated, we had utter, in the center of the table, utter pumpkin structural failure. I mean, this thing just let go. It was let go like an explosion, and it just opened out. Think about like a lotus petal, just op- lotus petals just opening out, and soup went all over the table. Because you didn't even put it in a bowl. You no, well it, was, it. well, it was on, a, as I recall, it was in a, you know, lipped platter. Mm-hmm. But still, there was this thing is a pumpkin filled <laughs> with soup. So it just gave way, and it went all over the table. It went down onto the white carpet that was of on the floor. White of course. And I had two dogs. And the dogs started eating it up. So everybody, so because it's all going on to the floor, so we're all screaming. We, I, and it's hot. Did I mention this too? It's hot from the oven. So I run into the kitchen. And I try to grab paper towels, but the dogs are licking it up. So within five minutes of trying to get pumpkin soup out of a white rug, I'm also trying to get dog vomit out of a white rug because the dogs are now barfing everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> They're barfing all around the room. The pumpkin has exploded. The table is ruined. You know that's hysterical. You know, remind- my God, you don't you don't ruin a gay man's centerpiece on the table. The the table is ruined. Everything is just terrifying at this point. <laughs> 
The first thing that comes to mind is that episode of The Office where mm. Kevin brings in the chili. It was kind of like that. And the chili goes all over the office floor, and he's on the floor with manila folders trying to scrape up the chili. It was chili. kind of like that, but it was just – it was this major disaster. And it – I don't know – and I can tell you where I got the recipe. It was a Bon Appetit recipe. And I don't know whether I overcooked the pumpkin or we overstructurally compromised it by scraping up the sides or – or the recipe was just overdone and the recipe was not really well thought out. I don't actually know what the answer there was, but I can just tell you that there is this moment when hot soup folds out from the opening lotus petals of a pumpkin <laughs> in which you all kind of scream and jump. And oh, and then there's dog barf and then you're out. So those are our top four food failures that we could think of that we have experienced so far. I'm sure there are more in our life. There's all kinds of recipe testing. We should do that sometime. Recipe testing ideas that we came up with. Roasted garlic ice cream. Oh, my. Never made it into the book. It tasted like frozen Alfredo. Okay, don't, then you know what? Let's just save this. Because um, there's a few things I'm thinking of. There's a few recipe embarrassments that are in books that Bruce is still embarrassed about. So maybe, No, that made it into books. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Um, uh, so, uh, <laughs> sometimes I have crazy ideas. So, maybe we should save that for a future podcast. But those are the top four we could think of um, on this episode. So, hey, subscribe to this podcast. Go right down to the bottom of that Apple podcast page. There's a, there's a box that says write a review. Open that up and write a review. Someone just gave us a review this week. They said that we had some kind of charming interaction, which I just, oh, that made me so happy. Thank you for doing that. Go ahead, rate it. That would be fabulous and subscribe and come back right yeah come on back for some more fun and more food